This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On the last episode, Stephen Jacob from CodeEpoxy.com explained how he runs in-person 24-hour events to market his vision and brand. In this episode, you'll learn how an entrepreneur drove $20,000 from one viral Reddit post. In this episode, you'll learn how to validate a product on Instagram, how to balance life as a freelancer while launching a product business, and what are magic moments and how to create them for your customers. Today, I'm joined by Jimmy Finley Hickey from FinleyHats.com. That's F-I-N-D-L-A-Y-H-A-T-S.com. Finley Hats sells hats that have useful and customizable laces and hidden pockets. It was started in 2013 based out of Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey there, Felix. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Glad to have you on. So tell us more about your store and what is this? Uh, what are these hats that you sell? Tell us more about some of them. Gotcha. Well, you kind of hit it on the, the head already. Basically, we uh, have this patent pending lace technology that's unlike anything else on the planet uh, in a world that's super saturated with like hats that basically haven't really evolved for years. Um, we kind of brought something new to the market and that's uh, with our lace technology uh, to describe the listeners Basically, it's a, a lace that goes across the front of the hat that can be tied and styled in different styles. So, for example, you can put a red lace on a black hat, a blue lace on a black hat. Basically, your hat can have many different looks. Uh, but past the, the fashionable side of it, it also has a functional side where the lace that goes on the front of the hat can also be brought down around your chin. Uh, basically, that'll help keep your hat on your head through good times. And that's kind of what our brand's all about, uh, making headwear that's designed to kind of go out there and you know, be your travel buddy, go out there on some adventures with you and uh, just tag along on those good times. Very cool. Yeah. So how did you come up with the idea? Because I haven't, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a, a hat like this before. I guess the most, when I see it, the, the thing that brings, I guess, um, image that comes to mind is probably those like Navy style hats where there's a lot of like decorations on the, on the, uh, I guess the brim itself. But how did you come up with this idea? Like what, what were you looking at to, to, I guess, arrive at this idea of combining a hat with laces? So it started when I was like, I think 12, 13 years old. I was rafting down the the mighty Toodle River. If anyone from the Northwest is familiar with that river, it's a, just a little iconic river that kind of got washed out by Mount St. Helens when it erupted. So like you'll be rafting and you'll see these huge like semi trucks that were taken out by the water or taken out by the like the flood from the, uh, the mountain. Either way, I was rafting and I lost my favorite hat. It was this beautiful like... Burton hat that had this quilted front front and you know I just was really bummed out about losing that hat so the next time I went rafting uh, I was wearing a hat of course because I feel naked when I'm not wearing a hat and uh, I took the laces out of my shoes and cut a hole in the side of my hat and kind of jimmy rigged this uh, I called it my water hat and I just kind of wore it every time I went rafting anytime I was in the water I wore that hat and uh, kind of kept the idea on ice for years uh people always ask me like dude where'd you get that hat that's so cool and uh it just kind of kind of stayed like that for a good eight nine years until uh started getting traction started thinly hats 
And, and you um, added this, I guess, uh, feature to your head. What, what was the, the function or reason for it? Was it to make it tighter, to make sure it doesn't fall off? Like, what was the... Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's, it's sorry for the, the viewers or listeners at home. It's You really got to see a picture of the hat to understand where we're coming from. But it's basically a lace that goes down around your chin. And uh, so what that does is that helps keep the hat to stay on your head. Uh, so if you fall out of the raft, if you're in a high wind situation, uh, really any scenario where your hat could blow away or be lost forever or even just fall off, um, this lace will kind of help it stay there. Uh, so, I mean, that's the main intention is just to help it stay. One of our early mottos is just, uh, it stayed. Uh, so we do a series of tests and whatnot showing, you know, what our hats are potent- are capable of uh, handling. Oh, awesome. Makes sense. So what's your background? How did you get involved in, in, in e-commerce or, you know, actually going from taking these hats that you made for yourself to actually wanting to start a business out of it? Like what were, what, what, what's your background? So uh, my background is actually completely unrelated to, um, I guess, hat making or running an e-commerce website. Uh, I've been shooting professionally uh, photography. I've been a photographer, I guess, since I was a 15, 16 year old dude. Um, I started uh, just with a, actually taking paintball photos, if you can believe that, uh, at the paintball field. And it kind of grew to portrait photography. And I actually went to school in Seattle for commercial photography, uh, where I ended up making a you know, decent living over the past years after that, um, doing commercial portrait and sport photography. So uh, that's kind of my background, a good mix of photo stuff. And photography is super saturated now and i'm sure any photographers listening to this knows the pain of just how tough the photo market is right now and how people have been in for a long time or having a really difficult time making money with it and you know clients just don't have anywhere near the budget like they used to uh in fact the only client i've ever worked with that actually paid anywhere close to what i was taught a commercial photo shoot should be worth is nike uh, every single other company I've worked with just does not have the budget to pay anywhere close to what a photo shoot used to be worth or should be worth. Uh, so with that in mind, I needed uh, kind of a, another project to work on, something to stay busy, especially through the off season, uh, which is pretty much for me, uh, December through spring. And that's kind of where Finley uh, came into play. I had a couple different ideas and this hat, this hat idea was just kind of always in the back of my mind. And I had so much uh, reinforcement from friends and even random people who just really liked the idea behind this uh, this functional hat, and it just kind of went from there. Mm, so people, your friends, and random people liked the idea of the hat, uh, but you said that you also had other ideas to pursue or that you were thinking about pursuing. How? What, what else, I guess, uh, came up? Where else were you thinking about? What other factors were you looking at to nail down that the hat was going to be the main thing that that you were going to focus on as as a as a you know a, a side project at the time? <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. The uh, as far as a couple of the other ideas. There was a, still an idea that I'm keeping on ice because I think it's a good one. Uh, I'm not going to dig too deep into it, uh, but it's basically a company that makes plates, like plates you eat off of. That was one idea. Uh, my girlfriend and I kind of ran a jewelry company uh, that she made everything by hand, and then I kind of helped her with the marketing. So um, that was another thing that we we're going to just put more energy and time into, except I just was not really passionate enough about the jewelry. I just you know enjoyed helping her you know push it. Um, I mean, those are the some of the bigger ideas that we're looking at. Um, but what I did to really decide on Findlay was, and I wish I could remember the name of this book, um, but it was basically a questionnaire that 
I highly recommend anyone listening to this that's kind of torn between a couple ideas to look into where you basically lay out your three or four top prospects for ideas. And then, um, and I mean, maybe there's a name for this chart. I'm sure, you know, it's nothing unique to just this book, but you list out the, the three or four things you're most interested in. And then on a scale of one to five, you list, you know, which one has the highest potential. Um, and you, or for each one, you do what the, the potential, uh, for that. Then, um, uh, the next, the next chart you do, or the next, I guess, uh, sorry, losing my train of thought here. The next section is for uh, how good you are at it, and the third is like what its maximum potential. Mm-hmm. So, and you basically go through and list them from one through five, and whichever one kind of has the most points, uh, like you know, has the highest potential, you're best at, and has the largest market cap, uh, and maybe a couple other factors that I'm forgetting. It's been a couple years now, but. Basically, the one that has the most points might be your best bet. It might be the one that has the highest potential for you and might be worth your time. And for me, that was Finley Hats by a long shot. And uh, that was kind of the, the deciding factor on why I decided to move forward with it. was mm. that simple little chart <laughs> that I definitely butchered the description of. Sorry about that. No, no I think uh, well, hopefully we can find out what, what that, that chart is. Uh, but that makes sense. You took a really kind of uh, analytical approach to deciding what to pursue. And I like that just because it kind of removes a, a lot of the risk or not a lot. You can't remove all the risk, but helps at least de-risk some of the, uh, I guess the, the, the part of deciding what business idea to pursue. So when you, you mentioned, um, that one of the factors was to determine which business idea you're best at. So what does that, what does best that mean? Is it best at marketing, best at understanding the, the customers? Like what did, what was that? What did that mean to you? I, mean, I think in this department it was more so something I was actually passionate about. Out. Um, maybe not best at because skills wise at the time at least a lot of what it takes to run a business I've had to learn uh, I didn't I mean I, I've ran a photo company but that's completely different from being the product versus selling a product mm-hmm. uh, so I mean I, I think it definitely had more to do with like my actual passion for it uh, not that I'm passionate about you know fashion or passionate about headwear in particular it's just it's something that I can relate to uh, I said earlier like I feel naked without a hat and Honestly, I put on a hat two minutes into waking up and take off my hat as I lay down to go to bed. There's really not, I just wear a hat all day and it's something that hits close to home and I've always been, you know, I just don't feel right without one. So I think that was kind of one of the bigger, you know, driving points as far as something that I'm good at or passionate about. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So you uh, did this, take, took this approach, took this, took this analytical approach, determine what, product to, to, to focus on. You're already a photographer, a professional photographer, but there's something you're doing, uh, you know, during the, you're working this project in the off season. So tell us about like how you got started. So you knew that this was the idea you wanted to pursue. You had some time on your hands what were the initial steps to getting a business off the ground? <laughs> uh, well, some of the, the first steps after, you know, the idea was validated. Uh, another thing I did was post on Instagram, my personal Instagram to see if people liked the hat. Um, but I mean, as far as some of the early steps was just to learn the different parts of a hat and the whole sourcing side of the business, the whole, I mean, our hats have something that no other hats have. So I had to, you know, literally learn the names of, you know, what these little holes on the side of the hats are called. Are these eyelets? Are they grommets? Are they metal washers? Uh, so, I mean, that was just, you know, since it was more or less an invention, uh, that went along with the hat. Uh, there's just a really steep learning curve with getting all the proper like stuff lined up in order to launch, uh, you know, finding a place to 
straight up buy the hats from, finding a place to embroider the hats, finding the machines we need to grommet the hats or make the, our hats also have hidden pockets on the inside. So we had to you know, figure out how to sew uh, just a lot of little things like that. I mean, the, uh, I guess those are some of the, the early things we had to work on to get it off the ground. Yeah, and because you had to learn so much and the learning curve was so steep and there's even just like the product itself, forget about running the business, but the product itself had a lot of technology that you had to learn. Did you ever feel like just saying like, screw this, let me focus on my photography business? Did you ever feel like you maybe you should, did you run into these kind of roadblocks and want to just turn back and get to get back to what was comfortable? Honestly, early on, absolutely not. Um, back when th- those were the problems we were having, uh, or you know, it was all, I was so motivated and, and I believe so strongly in what we were doing that uh, there definitely wasn't a time back then. Uh, mm-hmm. Fast forward a couple of years, there's been a couple of times where, <laughs> you know, it's been, there's been some rough patches, but uh, back then, no, none of those problems were, it was more so the opposite, that more issues with my photography business and the fact that I poured my heart and soul into these, uh, you know, trying to run my business and just it being extremely difficult and, you know, not really consistent enough to live off of. Yeah, let's talk about this then because there is this honeymoon phase everyone goes through right, with their business where they're super passionate and they're just living off of, of off of that passion and you know any kind of work, any kind of problems they can overcome because, again, it's still very glamorous in the early stages. But then, you know, how easy over time that kind of wears on you and eventually hit a point where you can't rely so much on just the kind of natural uh, early passion. So when you do run into the issues nowadays, where you do run to roadblocks and you don't have the kind of, again, natural passion that came on early on. How do you, I guess, um, you know, ready yourself or correct yourself mentally to stay in the game? Honestly, the amount of good things that have came from this company and the amount of love and support that we've had from the tribe that's based around our brand, the, uh, the Finley Force, and shout out to anyone on the Finley Force listening to this, uh, that's is so much more powerful than any of the darkest and negative things that we experience here. Uh, just the very fact that this little, you know, silly hat that we make uh, has spread around the world and we have people wearing our hats, doing activities they love and share photos with us and share stories of running into other people on the Finley Force. And I mean, it's, it's not even a daily thing. It's an every couple hours thing where we see a new photo of our hat in action or someone emails us saying about a great experience they had. So you know, even on the, the worst days, it's tough to stay mad or bummed out for too long because, like, I mean, I don't know if that's cheesy or not to say, but, you know, the good feelings from, from creating something that people actually enjoy and are, is part of their life is, uh, you know, far outweighs the negativity. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you're getting at too is is that look at the kind of impact that you've had with your business, with your product, and look at the customers, look at the kind of joy or benefit that you brought into their lives as a way to kind of keep yourself motivated, and you know, almost look for those external things rather than look internally and think about you know why am I doing this for myself? Look at you know what you're doing for others, and I think that helps you kind of keep going during those times where things aren't as as easy. And I think that that's exactly what you're getting at. Um, so. Before we uh, move any further along, I want to talk about the way that you validate it. So you said that you went on Instagram and and try to get feedback that way. So um, tell us about that. Like, what, how did you, I guess, uh, introduce the idea on Instagram? Like, what were you? What did you post? Like, what, what did you ask your audience on there? So 
I, uh, I took a picture of my girlfriend, Sarah, who's uh, our co-founder as well and a huge, huge part of the company. Um, but I took a picture of her wearing just one of my original, at the time I called it my water hat. I took a picture of her wearing the water hat and then I took a picture of it, uh, one with the laces down around her chin and then one with the laces tied and styled on top of the hat. And I just posted on Facebook and said, hey, I'm thinking about making, or on, sorry, on Instagram, I said, hey, I'm thinking about making this hat. Uh, you know, if I did, would you buy this? And for, you know, like a personal Instagram page, that one post definitely got a surprising amount of traction in about 45 minutes, I think. And after, I don't know, between 30 and 50 comments or so, I uh, just decided to delete the post and, you know, take that as, you know, there is enough interest in it. And backtracking to, I think, a, a more interesting, you know, reason why I decided to move forward with it is, uh, and I think a lot of photographers can relate, and I think anyone who has ever kind of pushed something that might not, you know, might go against the status quo or um, something that they truly believed in um, was just kind of the, the faith in my own direction and my, you know, the idea that it would be, uh, it would be accepted. Uh, that comes a lot from my photo background in that, you know, I would do photo projects and, you know, come up with an idea and just hope that people would get, get the message I was trying to convey and get kind of where the, the, I guess the, the theme of the whole, the, the whole project or the underlying message to everything. And, you know, it takes a lot of, I don't know what the right word is. It just, you have to be brave, I guess, in that sense, in that like, you know, you're going to put something out there and hope you don't get judged, hope it doesn't get torn to pieces and hope it, you know, just doesn't get destroyed. And, uh, when you're doing photo stuff like that, it kind of trains you to be ready for that, especially when you're doing like conceptual documentary work or anything like that. So, uh, having like having that experience in behind, even when it comes to portraits, like when you're taking a portrait of someone, uh, and you just, you've been shooting for so long, you know, this is going to be a good portrait. You have no fear when you show them the photo and that they're going to like it, even if they're a really tough client and they feel like they're, you know, I hate myself in photos. I always look bad. You know, you kind of have to learn to just trust your gut and, uh, I think photo really, in my photography background kind of helped me train for, okay, I, I've had a lot of people tell me this idea is a good one. I've, I've been asked about it all the time whenever I wear it. And, you know, it was just validated by however many people on Instagram. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and you know, bring something new to the market. Yeah. I think to develop that, that courage that, that you're talking about, you just kind of have to exercise like a muscle. You just have to continually put yourself out there and, uh, and, you know, going back to what you're saying about how being a photographer helped you, helped, like it's training you to be that way because you're constantly putting creative things out there and putting in front of people and actually being there waiting for their feedback. I think the more you do it, the more you realize that it's never actually going to be as devastating as you imagine in your head. And once you start getting that, or I guess coming or having that realization becomes a lot easier for you to just put yourself out there. You know, if you have an idea for a product, for a business, put it out there don't worry so much about what's going to happen because the worst thing's going to happen is people say they don't like you and then you know you just go back to the drawing board. So you know speaking of that, you know what if people did come out and say, you know, we don't like this or they I mean I can't imagine people would do this especially people that are following you on Instagram, but if you did get neg negative feedback, did you believe so much in the product that you would still continue pursuing it or like what would you what would you have done? I mean it it just depends on what the feedback is. Uh for bringing something new to market, we've really ran into such little like roadblocks as far as like acceptance it's been kind of surprising 
but I mean, as far as if we were to have received bad feedback early on, uh, I think, like you said earlier, the you know take it back to the drawing board, analyze, you know, see if they're coming from the right people and the right sources, and you know, either say, you know what, that demographic, that person, whatever's wrong, I'm right, or okay, maybe they have some great points, and you know, we should go back and figure out how we can fix X, Y, and Z. Uh, so, I mean, it really just depends on a couple factors on what the feedback would have been. Uh, and we would have, you know, kind of played it by ear from there. Uh, as far as overall, like any feedback we get, good or bad, we definitely bring it up in a meeting. And definitely, if it's something, you know, worthwhile, we'll make changes as needed. Makes sense. So you were launching this, uh, you know, on the side. And I'm assuming at one point there, the the two businesses, the photography business and the uh, Finley Hats business were competing both for your attention. So are you still now still running the two businesses or is it all your time and attention focus on Finley Hats? It's about 90-10 right now. 90% Finley Hats, 10% photo. Um, luckily, photo kind of does branch over uh, to like doing, you know, photo stuff for Finley. Uh, so that's always a good time to mix the two. But yeah, it's actually been a uh, surprisingly this i think this is the first full year now that it's been a 90 10 split i've really stopped a lot of the the old commercial jobs that you know would barely pay anything for a full day's work or you know just the tedious family portraits or anything like that i've very really cut back and now i really cherry picked a few photo jobs that i do which is a good feeling so that means i'm either doing a shoot because i enjoy it or doing a shoot because it's paying work well enough for me to enjoy it mm, makes sense so I, I think you know there are going to be at least a few listeners out there that are that were in your that, that are in the situation that you were in, which is that they're either contracting or working kind of part time for themselves while trying to launch a product based business. So what was it like, you know, having to have these two competing businesses at the same time? Did you ever feel at any point that you're just spread so thin that you feel like you're about to lose everything? Like what was the experience like when both things were going well and keeping you super busy? I mean, honestly, it was never, they were never competing too hard against each other with, with my photography schedule, like generally like for, for portrait bookings would have an open schedule and have clients choose based on scheduled days that work best for me. Uh, and then with Finley, it's, you know, since it's the only other thing I do all day, there's plenty of time in the day to kind of make both of them work. Um, I mean, and I've never passed out of, I guess I've never had any experience trying to balance two competing, uh, options there. Right. Makes sense. So I think one of the other issues uh, as, as a, as a self-employed person, uh, as a freelancer, as a contractor is that when someone puts money in your face and say, Hey, do you want to do this? And here's money for it. It's at least, I think, you know, people that are less experienced are ready to take anything. Anytime anybody puts money in front of them as for projects, for whatever it is, they're ready to take it on. So do you have any tips or do you have, you know, experience, uh, experience, any experience, on how to say no and how to evaluate what's actually going to be, you know, worth your time? Yes, absolutely. Saying no is super important. And, uh, you know, there's times where out of desperation, you just, you can't say no. And with my photography company, I said yes to pretty much everyone, even if that is, you know, a 15 hour photo shoot paying $200 plus another 10 hours of editing the photos. Like, I would do the lowest paying photo gigs possible just because I needed the money. And uh, the tipping point for that was actually I did a indoor photo shoot uh, for an indoor triathlon. And before the shoot even started, it was a full day, full day shoot. 
before it started, I broke a, I think a $1,200 lens immediately off the gate. And, uh, so that whole day's labor didn't even pay for half of the repair bill. Uh, so that was kind of the tipping point, but yeah, saying no, even with Finley is extremely important too. I mean, we'll run into, we do a lot of custom hats for different companies and things like that. And we'll occasionally run into someone whose requests are just, you can tell immediately after the first email that we're just not going to be able to make them happy. Uh, you know, they just have, it's just, you kind of get used to it after so many transactions, but being able to say no and even lose a little bit of money off the sale, but save a lot of time and, and no, no frustration uh, is just extremely important. And it's difficult, especially when you need the money, but you know, it's, it's tough. Uh, and you kind of have to weigh, you know, if the stress and the time is going to be worth the, you know, dealing with that person and what if they don't like the product or what if, you know, anything like that. So uh, we generally try to say no before it gets too far down the road uh, or, you know, just upcharge until it's, you know, worth the point to, mm-hmm. you know, accept it. Yeah, definitely. Everything uh, has a price, I guess, that where it makes sense. So maybe another way to ask this question too is, have you ever run into a situation where you have said no to something and then looking back on it, you regret it saying no to it? Good question. Uh, nothing comes to mind immediately. So I feel like if there was like a big uh, thing like that, I think that'd come to mind a little easier. Um, there's definitely been ones where in the opposite, where we said yes, and we should have said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been plenty like that photo shoot I gave you, for example. Um, but as far as where we said no, and we should have said yes, I'm sure there's plenty, but none of them come to mind immediately. Yeah, I feel like, you know, once you have a business and you're getting some levels of success, the more often you say no, the better. Because the things that once you have success, opportunities are going to come. And if you don't focus on seizing specific opportunities, you're going to eventually run out of them because you're going to be inundated with, with, you know, all these things that you've taken on. And all of a sudden you're kind of stalling out because you've taken on too much. So, I mean, the reason why I was asking that question was because I find that most entrepreneurs will answer the same way you did, which is that uh, there hasn't really been the time because again, opportunities are coming, you know, and then it's your decision. It's kind of up to you to, to, to focus on specific ones rather than just saying, you know, give us, give me everything because that's only going to remove focus from, from you. And, and that's never good for a business. One thing you were mentioning a couple of times was about this, uh, Finley force. So I'm assuming this is your community of, you know, fans of customers. Um, tell us a little about this. How did you create this, this, uh, Finley force? How did you name them? Like, what was the, the, I guess the genesis of, of, of creating this uh, Finley Force. First off, alliteration is huge. That's right. We had to uh, we had to find a way that was like a Finley F something. We didn't know what, and uh, mm-hmm. we just I think it pro- we probably played that with like ten or twelve different words before we realized Force was just the perfect combination. It kind of rolls off the tongue, right? The Finley Force. Uh, but either way, that's the that's the tribe around our brand. That's the. Uh, you know, the wearers, the people who wear our hats and go out there and adventure and have good times with the people they love. So um, that's the Finley Force. That's kind of who they are. How we formed them was by really just we tried it like one of our another one of our early mottos were, uh, you know, your friends at Finley Hats and like all of our emails, anything kind of talking about us. It's like your friends at Finley Hats. And we really try to have a. Uh, very, what is the word here? Um, transparent relationship with the our customers with the Finley Force. Uh, we've been 
you know, we, we, we show them this behind the scenes, like our story and, you know, the struggles that we're going through and the extreme highs that we deal with and the lows that we deal with. And we're on a very like one to one like basis with the Finley force and that we have people Snapchatting us all day. We have people talking to us on Instagram all day. We have people messaging us like we're, you know, we're on a first name basis with a lot of our like most popular or most uh, like largest fans. We're in a very, you know, just it's more, it's just a community. And we, we are very open with that. And we've tried to have that from the beginning and that we want people to, you know, just feel like they're a part of something. And I know we're just a hack company. We're not doing anything major, but it's cool. It's like a, it's just, it's just like an extended family in some way. And, um, you know, I hear, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but we hear stories often of someone wearing a Finley hat and seeing another person wearing a Finley hat out in the wild. And there's kind of like a, Oh, nice. You, you, ah, Finley force. Like, um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing. It's like we wanted to build a really strong tribe around our brand and we didn't want to just feel like just another, you know, just another company out there that's just trying to make money off their customers. We really want to be, you know, an outlet for, uh, I guess, a community to be built. And uh, surprisingly enough, there's a lot of people uh, on the Finley Force who are in this community now. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about how you built this because if I were to wear like a, I don't know, a specific pair of sneakers, I saw someone else wearing sneak the same sneakers or same brand, I wouldn't really feel compelled to be like, hey, look, we're wearing the same sneakers. I wouldn't approach them and feel like I belong, like that I'm like them or that I'm a part of some community or tribe with them. But you've been able to create that around hats. So what is it about, about what you guys do on a day-to-day basis or that you do for the community that makes them not just connect with you, but want to connect with each other? That's a darn good question. And I wish I could fully answer it to its full potential. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, people like supporting the little guys and we've made kind of our brand around being the small garage based company. I mean, there's people who've been with us from the beginning who saw when we were doing, you know, everything out of our living room. They saw that, you know, we started with such like 80 hats and they've, you know, seen the story kind of progress and it's kind of, um, you know, a little bit of spread, spread word of mouth. It's, I mean, I wish I could fully answer that. It's just, I guess a lot of it has to do with luck. I think a lot of it has to be with being completely transparent and open with our customers and doing what we can to create that, you know, feeling of like mm-hmm. community. And I mean, I know I'm just kind of circling here, but well, I think I think you have I think you you have a point about um, people want to help help the little guy win, help the the guy that they know almost personally, the brands or the company that they know personally, help them succeed. And if they're a part of that early on, especially, they feel like it's you know their baby too to some extent. Um, so I think what you go back to is that you are very transparent. You are very transparent with your with your customers. You are you know to some extent vulnerable too with your customers. Uh, why do you think you know being proactively transparent or proactively vulnerable is so important for 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 you or for anyone else out there that is thinking about building a brand? You know, I, I think it's important for us just because it's definitely you know, on top of having a unique product. We also have a unique story. Uh, we also do a very large part of the production out of our garage, which not a lot of companies, at least in our space, do. You know, there's plenty of T-shirt companies that screen print in their garage. You know, there's plenty of you know, other do-it-yourselfers out there. And I mean, I know there's the industry's filled with that. But as far as headwear, uh, you know, there's 
no one really doing what we're doing. And I think that, you know, is definitely one unique aspect of it that uh, I guess has helped us in that sense. Uh, another good thing that I kind of left out on the, to answer the, the previous question that I think I, I want to kind of bring up right now is uh, how we've been able to create such a strong bond with our company is not only the one-to-one interactions, but something that I kind of stole from Disney. So please don't sue me, uh, anyone from Disney listening here, but creating magic moments. And I read about how at Disneyland, supposedly, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, but uh, most, if not all of the employees at Disneyland have exclusive like permission to make magic moments for their guests. Uh, the story of that, that it kind of struck me was a girl was in the, like the gift shop and another girl was getting head to toe, like princess outfit, like made for her or whatever, bought for her. And this girl whose family obviously couldn't afford that was watching. And she's like, mommy, like, why can't, you know, why can't I get the whole princess dress or set up? And uh, a Disney employee heard this and long story short, got that little girl set up with, you know, a head to toe princess outfit as well. And I think got to, you know, have her go meet one of the princesses after the, parade and long story short they created a a magic moment for that kid and keeping that in mind with finley every interaction i have with a customer uh be it in person or online or on social media or customer service or anything i try to do what i can to create that magic moment uh create that positive experience where you know they'll look back on it and be like oh yeah that was the company that you know, I, I told them I needed my uh, a hat for my son's birthday that is in two days, and they overnighted it to me and gave me a free pair of sunglasses with it. Um, just every little interaction, we try to you know do what we can to make it at least a memorable and a positive experience. And you know, and that's a cost to us. That's you know we lost a lot of money by doing that, but at the same time, it's you know almost any person if they're going to mention something about Finley will have some type of positive experience in that sense. Uh, you know, and if not, we, uh, you know, we do what we can to make that happen. Yeah, and, you know, this idea of magic moments requires uh, long-term thinking, right? And you kind of alluded to this by saying that it's cost you money, that maybe you haven't recouped right away. And I'm sure you don't even think about it this way, but uh, the ROI, you know, on it all right after bad might not be positive. So how do you justify this kind of long-term thinking rather than, you know, just focusing on the short-term gains on how do I maximize ROI for, you know, my customers, you know, because, again, you know, magic moments, like you're saying, it requires not just effort but you have to pay attention on your end it requires a lot of energy from yourself and obviously it actually does require some money too if, it, if that's required to create this magic moment so how do you I guess justify it in your brain and to focus more on this long term approach rather than again on the short term gains uh, so I'll answer that, answer that two ways one if someone if we mess up someone's order if anything's wrong if anyone has any negative experience at all with us uh, you know we'll go above and beyond to fix that problem and make them you know better off than they would have if we just did it right the first time uh, so th- in that sense it's really easy because I look at it as okay we have someone had a negative experience because we messed up or something happened uh, for whatever reason you know we need to make this right we need to turn a positive to a negative and not or sorry a negative to a positive and not only just a positive but like a super positive so what can we do we'll give them a refund we'll give them store credit and we'll fix it or whatever variation that you know seems like the right combo there so that's that's one way where it's really easy okay this guy had a negative experience 
this guy had a pot, uh, and I need to make it negative. But the other way to answer that is the person who already is, you know, that we didn't do anything wrong and they're, you know, already satisfied. But uh, let's say we're running a trade show and we run into someone who's like, oh, yeah, I've been buying your hats from day one. Here's the hat I bought from you guys the first month you came out. This is, you know, one of the oldest hats in existence. And, you know, as a way to reward that guy for his loyalty, we'll, like, I, you know, choose any hat you see here, you can have it. Uh, so, I mean, that's just going to further, you know, dedicate that person to our brand and keep them, you know, coming back as a, a you know, future customer. Uh, so, I mean, I guess the, the simplest way to put it is, you know, they might, you know, it might cost us the, you know, $10 in, in shipping and, you know, product to get it to them. But, you know, in when our spring line comes out next year, they're going to they're going to come back and buy a hat. And then in three years, when our fall line comes out, they'll buy another hat. So, you know, it's easy to look at. They're just, you know, they'll stay involved in the company. They'll have that positive experience and, you know, they'll, they'll push that word of mouth. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it definitely does, you know, pay off, especially if you're rewarding your most loyal customers anyway. Uh, it's certainly going to, again, you know, pay off in, in the future. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, about Reddit because that's actually how I, I, I didn't necessarily knew, knew that you guys are on Shopify, um, I guess, prior to seeing your posts on Reddit. But one thing I remember seeing from you guys, from you the most or from your company was about how you saw one of your customers wearing uh, one of your hats when, again, you're based out of Portland or Oregon, uh, but you're, I guess you're traveling to, to Rome or to Italy and you saw one of your customers wearing the hat. Tell us about that experience. And what was that like, like seeing your product out in the wild like that? So Felix, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I like focus on my work all day, every day too much. I'll, I'll admit it. And, uh, you know, try to make time for family and my dogs and my girlfriend and, you know, all the other stuff I love out there, but it was finally time for a, a trip. We went on a, a family vacation with my parents and uh, my girlfriend to go visit uh, my sister who was studying abroad in Italy. And, you know, we had everything lined up. We had uh, our guy back at the house uh, who was going to handle production while we were gone. Um, everything just felt great. And so on our second day in Italy, we're on a tour, like a, pri like a little private bus tour, a little private van tour. And... Uh, a good we're driving through this really really crowded street in rome and i look out the window and there's just one of our hats the uh the blue horn which at the time we had sold less than 100 of so just walking a good foot from the the van i'm not even exaggerating like the guy could not really have been closer to the van or me in the van and uh, so I immediately told the driver to stop and pull over and we jumped out. I, ch I chased the guy down and he was actually uh, an English dude who was there on a stag uh, for a rugby game or a stag is a bachelor party. And he um, was kind of confused at first. He was a little drunk, but he was really friendly and uh, his friends were, I don't know, they were kind of weird, but uh, it's like, yeah, man, like, that's that's our hat company. We we made that hat in our garage, and he was just kind of like, oh, I got it a little bit ago from a guy at a bar, blah, blah, blah. and uh, he didn't really seem to care that much. And it was just there's some weird like Americans who just like chased him down. And then I was like, yeah, it has a pocket on the inside. And as soon as he took the hat off and looked at the pocket, then his face kind of brightened up, and he knew that like I was legit, that it was actually, you know, the the founder of the company of the hat that he was wearing. And uh, so we, we chatted for like 
a minute and uh, Sarah took a photo of me and him and luckily she took just a really nice good photo of it and he was on his way I didn't have any business cards on me and uh, so he just kind of left we left got back in the van you know I was extremely excited um, you know kind of no joke jumping for joy and just like really amazed I mean we've seen our hats in the wild a couple times we we hear stories all the time about it but to be you know, on the other side of the planet, more or less, and uh, run into one of our hats was just an amazing experience. Uh, so fast forward, I'm jet lagged, really sleepy, and uh, like, yeah, I'll, I'll post this on Reddit. Kind of, you know, I feel like it's a worthwhile story. It seems like something that you know people on Reddit will be interested in. I'm a longtime redditor myself. Uh, you know, I think this is a worthwhile story. So I posted under the uh, the pics, the pictures subreddit, and within 15 minutes or so you could tell the, the thread was getting traction and I've actually I've had a couple old photos front page before so I kind of I've seen it I've seen how the the uh, traction will build up on there and what it looks like so I I think I emailed or texted my buddy Nick who was back at the garage working on production I said hey man be uh you know be ready I think the post is gonna maybe get on like the second page of pictures you might get a couple sales today so just be ready for it <laughs> and uh i'll spare the the details i know we're short on time but uh long story short the uh the image made it to the front page of reddit i think it at one point was the second image on or the second post on the entire website under all wow yeah, that one night we you know we had our shopify <laughs> mobile app going and uh it was just insane. The orders were just, it sounded like almost a ringtone. So many orders were coming in for a few hours. It was just, you know, alert, 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 alert. No, no, for like maybe two or three seconds and another one. Um, and yeah, by the, the end, of, so we stayed up all night and I mean, we could do a whole like con or, you know, a whole podcast episode. I feel like just on talking about this because there were so many little things like dealing with inventory and customer service and having our, our uh, you know, online web chat ready and, you know, making sure everything's right and the website's running and have a little little bar at the top that's letting everyone know that we're experiencing heavy traffic and just all of this stuff going on that I'm trying to coordinate running on very little sleep and uh, just a lot of anxiety about the whole thing. Um, but by the end of the night, we uh, ended up doing through our or doing through our e-commerce store alone twenty eight thousand dollars in sales. Wow! Yeah, and uh, I think we had about sixty thousand views to the website from that. And uh, you know, the biggest downside with that is we weren't really prepared for that much, many that many sales, that many views, uh, or anything. So the next few days of my trip, my my first time off since we started Finley for this long time was pretty much just dealing with our different vendors and making sure that we had all the boxes and the tape and the, the stickers that we included with our orders and the hats and the laces and pockets and just everything we needed for all these orders. And then, you know, to also deal with the hundreds of customer service emails that came through because someone misspelled their shipping address or because they want to switch out a different lace color or just it was a lot of work, I guess, is where I'm going out with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's amazing that, you know, $28,000 in sales, I'm sure a lot of those people have been, you know, 
continue to be customers of yours and just like the word of mouth and that's crazy so i think you know a lot of people will go to reddit to try to generate this kind of virality and you know because you you nailed it with uh, finley hats and you said that you've had experience in the past uh, getting to the front page or getting very high up in uh, on reddit is there a key to you know doing well on Reddit? Because you know obviously it doesn't. I think most people know not to be pushy or salesy on Reddit because you'll just get you know downvoted to hell and people will probably hate you more than anything from that. But you, it sounds like you've at least understand what kind of elements are required to to get a post to to do well on Reddit. So can you share some of your your I guess your tips or your experience on how to post on Reddit? Yeah. The uh you definitely are right on a lot of that. Uh, if you if you go at Reddit with a salesy approach, you will get downvoted. You will, you know, your message will not reach anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really important to just be interesting and genuine. Uh, I think those are the two main things you need to have. Something that's you know just interesting in and of itself and genuine. You're not being you know upfront like buy my buy my product, do this. This is the best thing ever. Um, you know, I think people, I think being personable, being able to relate to something by expressing emotion and making the viewers feel emotion is something good. I mean, you know, banking on, you know, selling emotion is always a worthwhile thing. Um, so I mean, posting that will invoke emotion, like talking about how excited I was that I ran into someone on the other side of the world wearing my hat. Um, I think having, I think, I think those are the biggest, the three main ingredients for that. And it's one of those things that, you know, you can hit the nail right on the head and have the perfect post and you post it at 2 p.m. It fails. If you were to post that exact same thing at 4 p.m., maybe it would have taken off. So mm. the hive mind on Reddit is insane. And I know there's studies and, you know, people are like, well, if you do this word to start it with and have, you know, this color image, it statistically will do better. And, you know, I think that there people try to make it more scientific than it is. Uh, I really think the Reddit hive mind is a crazy thing and it really even if you have the right ingredients the right title some coming from a genuine point of view with something unique and something like relatable i still feel like it really comes down to luck yeah i think one thing that you touched on too was was that you know you don't you don't want to even on reddit on social media on facebook or instagram wherever you're posting uh, don't just, you know, don't talk exactly about your product. Don't talk exactly about your company. Have a story to tell that that does incorporate, you know, your brand or your own, uh, your your products. And that sounds like what what you've done and what's done, what's gone well for you, you know, between um, the transparency that you give out to your customers to the the post that went really well on Reddit, the kind of core thing that, that, that all those things had was that there's a story behind it and it wasn't just about the company company or the product itself, there's some other kind of interesting story that then tied to your your brand. If you, if you can find that, I think that that's much, much more, people much, much more likely to listen to you if you have that rather than just, again, you know, pushing your product onto them. So, you know, again, you said $28,000 from this one Reddit post. You've been in business for two years. So tell us a little bit more about how successful is a business today. You've, yeah, you said you migrated or you've ramped down your, your I guess, your main business previously. Now you're 90% of your time on Finley Hats. So give us an idea of how successful the business is today. Uh, so we have, I think a good way to measure it, I guess, is how many people live off this company. And mm-hmm. that's just an amazing an amazing thing that we had. It started with just me and my girlfriend. That's kind of a side thing. And now 
I mean, it's not a lot, but we've we've doubled. We have four people now that work for us and live off of it. And then on a when we have large production orders, like when we're making hats for Zoomies or doing large custom orders or anything like that, um, where we need the extra help, we have about three or four other people who are part-time uh, workers who are in here um, helping out with that. So we have four full-time employees uh, who are making a living off it and then uh, a couple part-timers. So we've also seen a 235% growth rate uh, year-to-date versus last year. So that's been one pretty cool aspect with the company that we haven't had to deal with is pretty much every month since we launched, we've been growing. So a lot of the the things we, we deal with are not really worrying about growing. It's managing the growth and managing you know the thousand problems that come with it. Very cool. So um, one other thing I noticed on, on your site was that you offer this uh, hat, of the, hat of the Month Club. And I, I'm really curious on, on how, how, I guess, how this is doing for you. Because I, I, for, I think uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, brands and companies uh, are looking towards this kind of recurring revenue model, ways to guarantee revenue each month. The difficult thing is that if you're not selling, I guess, a consumable, something that you know people use and need to re fill or, or re-up on every month, it becomes a lot harder. Did you find that, that that's an issue? Or I guess how is the Hat of the Month Club going for you? The 100% it is an issue having something that like, you know, you don't need 100 hats. You don't need 50 hats. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a couple. Uh, so that's that's pretty much been the biggest reason why we'll lose a subscriber is just the fact that it, they literally are just like, I have too many hats. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hold off for a couple months. Uh, but overall, it's been it's been largely successful for us. We're actually in the middle of making the the June hat of the month right now. Uh, so basically, it's you know they're hats that are only available for one month, and then we discontinue them, and they're no longer available. Uh, so they're all limited editions. That's like exactly, a reason why yeah. people and they're made just for the the one month, and then they're gone for good. Uh, so, but a, a way to kind of create more incentive for people to join the hat of the month. They're also discounted. So you're getting a one of, you know, right now we have just under a hundred subscribers. Uh, so you're getting a one of like 98 ish hat right now. Um, so for a low price, instead of $35 on our website, it's $25. Um, and then we have another deal where it's, you buy two hats for $40 and, uh, yeah, largely it's just been a definitely a successful program. Uh, we do have an issue with people, you know, joining for a couple months and then leaving or joining just to take advantage of the one month. Uh, we have no, you know, cancellation fees, no fees affiliated with quitting or, um, you know, any contract. So we wanted the, the barrier to entry to be really low, and we wanted people to be so excited on the hats that they'd want to stay around. And there's definitely a lot of people that have been around from the beginning, and there's plenty of people who stay on for a month or two and then then hop off. Um, but overall the subscription based aspect of our business, which is just one of the four kind of revenue models that we have within Finley, um, has just been nice because it, you know, it's, we start off the month with an extra, you know, a couple thousand dollars that we can, you know, use to fulfill mm-hmm. other aspects of the business. And it's, it's just nice to have that certainty that we're going to start the month off with some extra cash. Um, you know, they're, they're priced at the right point for us where it's not an issue to produce them. And uh, the design we use, we always try to make something that uh, is unique and maybe relevant to that month, but also at the same time, something that is pretty easy for our embroidery machines to handle. Uh, since we're doing all the embroidery out of the garage, uh, you know, if, if a design takes 20 minutes to embroider, you're spending a lot of time and money having the machine being ran. But if it takes five minutes to embroider, you know, you're saving time and money. So, 
uh, that's just another thing that we kind of try to keep in mind when we're when we're designing these things. Yeah, I think that that makes sense that you add this limited edition, uh, I guess, um, feature to your Hat of the Month Club. I think that's uh, you know compelling enough for people to say that they will rather sign up for this than just get access to these limited edition hats rather than uh, you know just buy it one off from your store. And also, of course, the better pricing. So you mentioned that there are four business models or four, I guess, revenue streams for your business. Can you tell us, uh, I guess, give us an overview of those four? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as you just mentioned, the, uh, the reoccurring business model, which is the uh, hat of the month club, uh, then past that we have just standard e-commerce, which I consider different since we kind of, we go about marketing them different. We, mm-hmm. you know, they're more or less different, different customers as well. Um, so the e-commerce through Shopify, then we have the custom and co- collaboration side of our business where a company like Yik Yak or a coffee shop or, you know, any random company, we've really done it for just a really large variety of different places. Um, but they come to us and say, Hey, like, we really like your hats. They have something unique that no other hats have. Like we want to work with you. We want you to make our hats. So, you know, we'll then go in and either do a a simple thinly modified hat or a fully custom where they're getting like sublimated bills and screen printed graphics and all this stuff on the, the hat. So, um, the custom collaboration, that's really big for us. That's actually one of our, our sales guys. That's his pretty much entire job is just to bring in new whole, or new uh, custom accounts for us. And uh, that's been a really profitable and busy side of our business. And that our, uh, we bought a whiteboard that has like our job list on it. And we're going to need to either buy another whiteboard or uh, start using a smaller pen to write on it because the, the board is just packed to the brim and we literally don't have enough space for all the orders we have for that right now. So that's been kind of cool. Just, you know, that all these different companies and brands and stores will, you know, see the potential in our hats. And it's also cool because, you know, they're, they're buying the hats from us and then they're going out and selling them and a very, I don't want to say surprising, uh, but an awesome amount of people, uh, or awesome amount of people who have collaborated with us have reordered again and again because they had sale sell for them. So that's a good feeling knowing that we're helping other businesses by creating a product that they can sell and they can push. Um, and then past that, the the last and the fourth uh, revenue stream for us is wholesale, and our biggest wholesale account is Zoomies. The uh, action sports and lifestyle retailer that's in I think over 700 locations in the United States. And we just, as of this week, uh, crested over the hundred store marker. So we're in about 120 of their stores, I think across the United States. And um, they've just been an amazing wholesale company to work with. They really treat their small vendors like us well. Um, and they just, you know, we started in just 10 stores and we were extremely hungry and wanted to do everything we could to make sure we grew within them. And we, uh, you know, that's another thing I could expand on for a long time, but um, we've been doing well in there and we are continuing to grow more doors with them. So that's been a, an awesome opportunity and the potential with that is just insane. Yeah, maybe to, I guess, to wrap this up, uh, out of those four revenue streams, uh, which one have you had to, you know, to focus on for the next year? Which one do you think would be your main focus out of the, these four revenue streams? Oh, God, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I guess the it'd, it'd have to be between e-commerce and uh, the custom hats simply because those are the ones where we have the most control over. Mm-hmm. Uh, wholesale, you know, if if 
our largest uh, account were to stop ordering or were to go under or anything were to change, uh, you know, there's not a lot of safety on that side of things. So, I mean, I think the safest bet would be the e-commerce or the collaboration. And uh, I mean, I guess the, uh, you know, we could probably survive just off the e-commerce and probably just push that. Yeah, I guess the e-commerce kind of as a backbone for everything else. So you push that, and then you know you get to work with these these comp- other companies find out about you for collaborations, and of course the wholesale clients also find out about you and are um, you know see your marketing push too. So I think it all kind of ties back to the e-commerce anyway. Um, also, so you know, thanks so much, Jimmy. So FinleyHats.com again is the website. F I N D L A Y. HATS.com. Anywhere else you recommend the listeners check out, they want to follow along with what you're up to, what what your company and brand are up to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our Instagram, it's just at Finley Hats. That's kind of where our tribe formed. And then our Snapchat, which again is at Finley Hats. Uh, we didn't touch on it, but Snapchat is the future. And if your brand's not using Snapchat right now, I highly recommend learning how to uh, you know, push it on Snapchat because we've been seeing a lot of amazing results with that. And uh, we've been really trying to grow our user base there and definitely put a lot of value on that social media. Well, let's talk about this just for a second then with Snapchat, if you have the time. Um, yeah, so perhaps I'm no rush now. Awesome. So uh, how do you guys use Snapchat? Like what are some of the ways that uh, I guess you approach Snapchat differently than the other social media platforms? Well, first off, uh, just when people are engaged on Snapchat, they're actually genuinely engaged with your content. They're not scrolling through a hundred other things. They're viewing what you have to say and viewing it for as long as you have to say it. So you can really capture their attention span for as long as you want to be in front of them. And uh, that's just an amazing tool because, you know, you can tell stories, you can connect the, your viewers to like, like I said earlier, we do a lot of behind the scenes. We really want people to, you know, see the struggle like, Oh, our embroidery machine's not working today. This is a headache. I'm frustrated. This is how I'm trying to fix it. Or look at how cool these new hats we just made are for this company, you know, uh, or, Hey, we're thinking about making one of these two hats. Which one do you guys like the most? And, uh, just having that inside view on, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and, uh, the process behind things, it really gives people a unique perspective inside the brand. And it gives us a way to directly engage with the Finley Forest. It gives us a way to, you know, give them teasers. It gives us a way to just hype something up in a way that's not spammy or, you know, give teasers on a new line. Uh, I mean, the possibilities are just so much more on, on Snapchat than anything else right now. And especially after Instagram's algorithm change, uh, we're just seeing a lot higher, you know, conversions and super the crazy high engagement and uh, positive feedback through Snapchat. And uh, I mean, at this point, I value a Snapchat view twice as much as I value an Instagram like or anything like that. Um, uh, another good thing for us has been contests. Uh, we'll, we'll do uh, every Friday. It's called Finley Friday. Uh, we'll go out there and have some type of contest where it's uh, one of our most popular ones we just did last week is we post a picture of a blank hat and then say, draw on this hat and we will make it a reality, uh, whichever one gets the most votes. So we'll have hundreds of people enter this thing where they draw on Snapchat and, you know, some entries are horrible. Some entries are surprisingly really good for drawing up, you know, something with your hand. And, um, you know, then we're able to cross reference or cross promote our Instagram and say, okay, now go on to Instagram and vote for your favorite. Um, and while we're doing this, every single person who submits their, 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 uh, 
entry, I'm directly engaging with them by saying, oh man, that lobster, that looks awesome. Great drawing or ha ha, I get what you were doing there. That looks cool. Or, you know, it's a way for us to directly engage with people. So they enter this contest through Snapchat or how are they yeah, drawing? They enter through, yeah, they enter it through Snapchat. So uh, you, basically they screenshot the photo of the, the blank hat and then directly message us the picture of that blank hat that they've then drawn on. Wow. That must yeah. be, yeah, that's, that's some Snapchat skills. I can barely draw anything uh-huh. I saw on there. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. There's some incredible ones. Yeah, so, so with Snapchat, you know, I think um, the, the common uh, objection that I've been seeing recently about why you should or why you should not or maybe you shouldn't spend so much time on Snapchat is about the demographics, you know, because uh, what I've been hearing is a lot of people are saying that the demographics, you have to make sure that your demographic, your target customers are actually on Snapchat. I think your brand definitely, there's definitely people on there that are, are perfect, uh, I guess, demographic for you on Snapchat. But do you think that this is, holds true for others as well and can uh, what do you, what I guess what have you been seeing demographic wise on Snapchat can it you know I guess transcend above the you know the 20 the 30 year old male that I get or not male the 20 30 year olds that are on Snapchat is it do you find that there are you know people of all ages and I guess backgrounds that are on there I'd say I, honestly I feel like all ages are on there right now I mean we're definitely dealing with the 14 to 30 mostly but that's our also our main demographic yeah. uh, both male and female as well um, but I mean, there's plenty of, you know, 40 year olds that are half us on Snapchat that keep us in the loop on their hats too. So, I mean, nice. uh, but I, I think as, as general advice to other brands who are kind of thinking about maybe getting into it. And I mean, just cause we've seen success with Snapchat and are, you know, really forward, it, it really, it comes down to where your audience is. I mean, some people it's Pinterest, some people it's Tumblr or some brands it's in Pinterest, some brands it's Tumblr, but for us, Snapchat really just hit the nail on the head and has been a good way to tell our story and uh, most importantly engage one-on-one with pretty much every single person that wants to talk to us. Uh, Another big thing that we do is every time someone follows us, we'll give them a direct message and a video that says, Hey Sean, thanks for following us on Snapchat. We hope you like the feed. Have a good one. Just something simple that just kind of acknowledges like, Hey man, like we appreciate the follow. It takes two seconds. Like I'm doing it throughout the day as I'm doing other work. And uh, you know, it's, we definitely spend a lot of time on there, but as far as engaging with customers in a real personal and one-on-one way, Snapchat right now is just killing it right now. And I highly recommend anyone in the 14 to 30 demographic that, or anyone that has their demographic in that age group uh, to at least investigate it more and look into some of the brands that are doing it well. Um, because it's, it's definitely the future of social media, especially after all these changes. Uh, at least right now, Snapchat is extremely important. Yeah, I guess Snapchat is, is the, I wouldn't say the only, but the, the most popular uh, social media platform that does not, uh, I guess, go to this algorithmic feed where you don't see everything that, that you're, I guess, following. Um, so I think that, that that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, if you think about it, all the social media platforms that, that have launched that have been successful all start with that kind of demographic, right? The 14 to 20 to 30 maybe at the most year old at first they kind of are the ones first ones and then and i guess using those tools and those technologies and eventually the rest of the market catches up to it so you know maybe this is the same with snapchat where right now it's that that demographic the the younger demographic but over time uh you know more and more people get onto it and and then i think that makes sense for for all brands to invest time into it today but you know regardless i think it's something that we should all pay attention to and see if it makes sense you know just, I guess, survey your, your, your customers, see if they're on there or not. 
Cool. So you know, I think that that's a that's a great, um, I guess, uh, way to cap this off. I think Snapchat is obviously um, doing well for you, and I think other people should check it out as well. Uh, but again, you know, FinleyHass.com is, is your website, and, I, and I'm assuming you have the links and all that to your social media profiles on there. If not, we'll link all that in the show notes. Um, again, you know, thanks so much for your time, Jimmy. Yeah, no problem, Felix. Appreciate it, and uh, good luck to all you Shopify users out there. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.